Welcome to Season 2 of Simply Disciples, a discipleship podcast designed to help Deer Creek Church think and act faithfully in a changing world. You guys, uh, I heard lyrics to a recent Top 40 song. Uh, you can tell what genre it is um, based on the lyrics. And you guys knowing me probably know what genre it is as well. But the lyrics go like this. I believe most people are good and most mamas ought to qualify for sainthood. I believe you love who you love. Ain't nothing you should be ashamed of. I believe this world ain't half as bad as it looks. I believe most people are good. And according to uh, recent statistics uh, put out by Ligonier Ministries, they found similar results uh, to the lyrics of the song. They, they found 66% of Americans believe that human beings are basically good by nature. Similarly, 70% of Americans believe that everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. And that leads to a very important question. Last semester, when we uh, discussed creation, how God created the world originally— um, we talked about how God created us in his image. Well, this semester, we've been discussing how the world has changed since God's original creation because of sin. So that's our question today. Are humans basically good? And when it comes to this question, are humans basically good and innocent by nature? The Bible actually has a lot to say about this topic. So to discuss this question today, I am joined by Chad Donahoe. Chad is our associate pastor here at Deer Creek Church. Tim Rehnquist, our executive pastor, and Aaron Ellis, who plays the keys and the strings for us on Sunday. You do a lot more than that, though, Tim. Can I take a stab at the um, yeah, go for genre? It. It's got to be reggae. <laughs> yes. I was, yeah, I was going right, to say, yeah. were, you, were you changing the oil on your truck? <laughs> yes, yes, I was. Well, guys, uh, what does the Bible say about this question? Are humans basically good? Yeah, I'll jump in here. Um, like you mentioned, we were created that way in the beginning. Mm-hmm. What we see when the when the Bible opens up in Genesis 1 and 2, when God created Adam and Eve, he said, and specifically from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over the earth. Over every creep, uh, creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Mm-hmm. So after God created all of creation, he goes on to say this about his creation. And this is in Genesis 1.31. He didn't just say everything he made was, eh, it's okay. Nah. No, he said it was very good. Including humanity, right? Yep. Include, yes. Everything <laughs> yep. was perfect. But that's obviously not where the story ends, and we see this from Genesis 3 on, right? The Bible says that sin, or what we refer to as the fall, the fall of humanity, has a profound effect on humanity, on the world. So much so to say, uh, to say most people are good is actually a statement that contradicts the Bible on Pretty much every single page. Yeah, yeah, read the rest of the story, right? Yeah, that's right. Because and we're probably, on this side of the fall. Yeah, that's right. Yep, and we talked about this in our last edition of Simply Disciples, but it bears repeat, repeating. In Romans 5, uh, there are three verses, and in Romans five twelve, Paul says that um, all humanity sinned in Adam's first sin. Sin entered the world through one man, and 
he says we sinned, past tense. It's like we were sinning with him when Adam committed this first sin. If any one of us was in that situation, we would have done the same, and we are treated as if we did commit that sin. In verse 18 in chapter 5, it says Adam's sin brought condemnation for all men, meaning because of Adam's sin, we're all born condemned. We are all born into this world guilty. And you see that throughout the Bible. It's everywhere in the book of Ephesians and the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. And it's clear the reason we die is because the penalty of sin, the wage of sin is death. Then Romans 5 verse 19, it talks about Adam's sin, how it made us sinners, mentioning that uh, our nature is now corrupted by sin. So sin is something that distorts and corrupts us. We talked about this again in our last episode. Jesus said, when you look at the heart of man, that's where all pollution comes into the world. It's through our sinful hearts that the world around us is polluted. And again, like you said, it's almost on every page of scripture. You look at the Psalms, Psalm 51, verse five, this is written by David. David says that in sin, my mother conceived me. Jeremiah talks about our hearts and said, our hearts are wicked above all things who can understand it. Even in Genesis uh, chapter eight, after the flood, when you think God gets rid of all sin, God looks down at Noah, he looks down at all of humanity and says, oh, they're still evil from their youth. So, And this idea is um, a, a doctrine that we call original sin, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is that? Define that for us. So I actually am going to take a look at the Westminster Confession, chapter six, mm-hmm. and look at the first uh, four points. And and what I want us to do is just, you guys, provide some running commentary for us, mm-hmm. all right? Yep. So chime in. Uh, but listen to this. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, being seduced by the subtlety and temptation of Satan, sinned in, created in, in eating, they sinned in eating the forbidden fruit. God was mm-hmm. pleased to permit this sin of theirs according to his wise and holy counsel, because his purpose was through it to glorify himself, yep. right? So sin happened, God permitted that, right? Yeah, and it's affirming there, yeah, God did create all things good. Yeah. And yep. sin is now going to distort that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Point two, by this sin, they fell from their original righteousness and communion with God, mm-hmm. and so became dead in sin and wholly defiled in all the parts and faculties of soul and body. So yeah, we have a corrupt nature, right? We don't think right, we don't feel right, we don't desire right, and then as a result, we don't act right. Yeah, in every piece, right? Every so, part of um, us. Every part our, of us. Our wills are distorted, mm-hmm. corrupted by sin. Yep. Real quick, what I want to be clear in pointing out is that what the confession is not saying is that we are um, uh, every thing that we do is always the worst possible oh, thing. Right. Yep. Utter yep. depravity, right? That's, right? that's not what we're talking about. Um, but... The things that we do, even the good things that we do, although they are good, they are corrupted by sin. Tainted, yep. Mm-hmm. All tainted. Yep. So point three, since they were the root of all mankind, the guilt of this sin was imputed to, and the same death in sin and corrupted nature were conveyed to all their posterity, descending from them by ordinary generation. So we all inherit what yep. the, the sin that Adam and Eve in Adam's okay. fall, we sinned all, like we yep. talked about last and episode. Ordi- ordinary generation just being born in an ordinary way. Yeah. And there's yeah. a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Jesus, Jesus wasn't, born wasn't born in an ordinary, ordinary way. way. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Right. Point four. 
from this original corruption by which we are utterly disinclined, disabled, and antagonistic to all that is good and wholly inclined to all that is evil, all actual transgressions proceed. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, actually, because what that's, that's affirming, we usually think we're sinful because we sinned. Mm-hmm. Noah is saying the reason that we sin... It's because we're sinful. Flip that right yeah, flip around. Flip that right around. Yep. yep. That's great. So uh, to this question, Scripture is pretty clear, very clear. Um, humans are not born, at, at least since Adam, um, basically good. We know, in fact, we are born originally sinful, meaning we are born guilty, deserving God's judgment, corrupt, sinful at our core, and subject to death and inclined away from goodness. If we go towards what we want, we actually go towards the bad, not yeah. not towards yeah. the good. I will, and I can imagine somebody hearing that and saying, whoa, that sounds pretty harsh. Like, come on, humans aren't that bad. It sounds pretty cynical, too. Do but, you think the writer of that song that you read earlier... <laughs> would probably would, say that. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I agree. And it, it actually does sound extreme. And the reason is because it is extreme, mm-hmm. and it does offend sensibilities of the world, and it should because sin is extreme. What the Bible says about sin on the pages of the Scripture is that is it is rebellion against God. It is evil. The Bible refers to it as a mockery of God, as transgression, as iniquity, as a hatred of God and deserving of eternal hell. So all that to say, the reason it sounds extreme is because sin is extreme. And and we have to understand one of the main problems of humankind is that we don't think our sin is a big deal. But every page of the Bible seems to paint a picture of sin as something utterly grotesque. It is heinous in God's sight, referred to as evil, as wicked. And this is this is serious. Yep, yep, that's right. And and if that's the case, we need to hear how bad it is and and how badly it has affected us. You think of something like uh, like a cancer diagnosis. Um, say someone has a serious cancer that's that's treatable, but if they don't treat it, it'll kill them. Well, y- you wouldn't want your doctor to come to you and say, "Hey, you know what? It's really not that bad. It's just a minor thing." You just just go ahead and ignore it. Yeah, you're actually healthy. <clears throat> yep, you're healthy. Yeah. Don't worry about it. That that will lead to your death, actually. And the Bible says sin is so bad, it has corrupted us to the point where we now die. Humans were made for life eternally with God, but now our natures are so corrupted that we are subject to death. The Bible says that sin is so bad that we are born guilty of sin. We are by nature children of God's judgment and wrath and condemned. And it says that we are wholly inclined away from God. Again, this is uh, you can find this in Romans chapter three. So it's the the problem is serious. It's severe, and and we need to know that because there actually is an antidote to that as well. But um, that 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 news is news that we actually need. We need the honest evaluation of the doctor. We need the bad news, not not uh, downplaying of something that's serious. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate your cancer illustration there. Because it seems like uh, it is much kinder to say to someone that you're you're not that bad, right? In fact, <laughs> a lot of times I'm actually inclined to say that mm. to my friends, right? Totally. Nah, I don't worry about it. You're not as bad yeah. as you think you are, yeah. right? Uh, you're, you're basically good. But really, that is a very dangerous thing to say to someone. So when you say to someone you are basically good, what this does is it assumes what we need most from God is just a little help 
or just a little bit of guidance and advice, right? Like something that I can offer my friend, right? Mm-hmm. And it assumes that we what that what we need is just a few laws, right, from God to help us live better. Uh, but the Bible actually says the exact opposite. The Bible says we need a savior from sin. We need to be saved by someone from sin. So we need God himself to take on flesh, live in our place and do that as a perfect life and then take the condemnation and guilt and punishment we deserve. So when you say we are basically good, you are telling people all they need is is good advice. When you tell them the opposite, you are telling them they're that they have a desperate need for the good news. And that good news is the gospel. And that is the only way a person will understand their need for a savior. So essentially what, what God is doing through his word is he's being a good doctor. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. giving us you the got progress. cancer. That's the yeah. bad news. But I want to tell you good news. I got the cure. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yeah. most people think Jesus came to tell us how to live better and how to be better people, how to live your best life now. No, he said, you can't be better. Yeah. And that's an important thing to recognize. We are so messed up, so sinful, so corrupt, that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. And he said that that, that is the first step to recognizing your need for a Savior. That is, that's your diagnosis, okay? So now you finally realize why you need me, Jesus tells us, right? He, we need Jesus. We need a Savior from sin, not a coach to make you live a better and more whole yeah. life. Mm. And, and it is. It's important to hear what we're not saying. Like you mentioned before, just to be reiterate, we're not saying every person is as bad as they possibly can be. No. Original sin teaches our natures are corrupt, but they're not absolutely corrupt. You know, our minds are corrupt. We believe lies. We suppress truth. But it doesn't mean we're absolutely or utterly corrupt, right? It doesn't mean we can't figure out two plus two is four, right? Yeah. Again, it's like a funhouse mirror. We talked about that in a previous episode. Because of sin, the image of God is distorted in us. It's touched every part of us. And because of that, we do. We need a Savior to save us from this terrible bad news that we're guilty. Yeah. It, it, and there's also a need for a, a slight correction here, not correction of what we're teaching, mm. but just the reality is we think through this idea of what it means to be good or bad, you know, built into the idea that we are good also carries the assumption that there are some really bad people mm-hmm. and then there is us, right? There's those people out there, the murderers, the adulterers, the racist, those people are really, really bad, and they're, you know, they're the bad apples. They're spoiling but, the whole bunch. Right. And so it, it can become this, if we're not careful, we hear this at times in Christian circles, right? The us versus them mentality. But Jesus completely flips this on its head. Um, it's kind of, you think you're good, right? It, what's the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 5? At one point, um, Jesus talks about uh, anger, and he says, uh, if you have uh, been angry, you have actually murdered from your heart. If you have lusted, you have committed adultery from the heart. And so uh, sin is pinned on all of us, and uh, Jesus makes it clear. uh, There are not bad people and good people. There are bad people and Jesus, <laughs> yeah. right? Yep. And Jesus didn't come for people who think they are just basically good. Yeah. Right, and Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount leaves... Everyone can do Everyone can do yeah. Nobody yes. gets out not guilty. Yeah, I, right. I heard uh, Pastor Sinclair Ferguson say recently 
Um, he was quoting some theologian, but he said, "The seed of every sin lies within me." Is mm-hmm. we're we're all bad. We're all capable of of more than we would like to admit. Um, but when, but when we talk about this idea of you know we're all basically good, I, I think what people don't realize is this is actually a heresy known as Pelagianism. Yeah, uh, Pelagius uh, was the proponent of this. Taught that Adam's sin had no effect on humanity that our actions and our wills were not affected by sin, that we had the ability to carry out God's law um, and the basic teachings um, that he had uh, were marked as heresy, condemned as heresy at the Council of Carthage in uh, 418 AD and at the Council of Ephesus in 481 AD. So it's not like scripture's unclear or the church in its history is unclear about this. No, this is the the clear teaching of scripture and and the idea of someone just being basically good is actually heresy. Yeah, and I can imagine somebody asking, well, okay, I get it's a heresy. All right, yeah. But what's the big deal? Why why does this matter? And you know, if somebody's just said that, hey, Tell me, come on, tell me why. Why does this matter? How would you respond? I think the most important answer to that is we need to be focused on Jesus, right? Yeah. Okay. So we need to be um, focused on his grace. But so many, many people think that it's just nice, right? We already touched on this. It's nice and kind to say to people that they're basically good. That's a therapeutic answer to try to help them out. But it actually has the opposite effect. So when you tell people Pelagianism, as um, Tim just touched on, hey, you are good. You can do it. You can do God's law. Sin doesn't really have any control in your life. It's, it's just a choice you make. But, but you can in your own strength. You can do it. You can choose other, otherwise. Or when you tell people that... That when when we end up saying that pastorally, uh, you know what people start doing. They start saying, "Oh no, I I, I don't want to sin again. Oh no, there there must be something wrong with me. Uh, why why can't I defeat the sin? And um, maybe I'm not really a Christian. Or I need to make I need to make sure that that I do this again, or or um, do that again, or stop doing this. And so um, they they start going through a list of things that they that they are become fully aware of that they need to improve on, right? It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm good. I got to maintain my goodness. Yep. Yep. But the underlying focus in all of those statements about me trying to get better at all these things, it's the the focus is me. Yeah, me. It's not Jesus. Mm -hmm. I need to do this. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. I need to work on that. I need to be more patient. I need to love my kids better. I need to be more forgiving. Um, I need to slow down and be thankful. That's a common one. Um, and so this is a, this is a re- religion that we've created that, that gets focused on me, me, me. So I have to do this. I have to do that. I need to avoid this. I need to avoid that. And frankly, as you guys said, it's exhausting. It's oppressive. Mm-hmm. And, and all we're doing is we're saying, here's another law to abide by. So here's some more law. Maybe this law will save you. Get better at doing this law. What we need to realize is when we say that and we do that and we say, hey, you are basically good, we need to recognize that that's actually cruelty. Yeah. That's mean. It's not yeah. pointing us to the, the true yeah. medicine, the true mm-hmm. remedy, the true cure, the true healer. Uh, it's pointing us to ourselves and, and pointing us deeper into the, the real problem, which is ourselves and our sin. And like I said, that is, that is um, uh, we don't need good advice. We need saving. We need a savior. Yeah. Um, we don't need cruel answers like, I can do it. Preach yeah. it. <laughs> Preach it. And it's ironic. I mean, because like you said, we want to sound gentle. We want to be gracious. And 
the way that we do that is we often will say to people, well, you're not that bad, but it has the opposite effect. Like you said, we, we actually put people in this situation where they become legalists. Yeah. It's interesting. Sometimes when we tell people about what the Bible says about sin, they think, oh, that sounds legalistic. Yeah. It's actually the exact opposite. Legalism mm -hmm. is telling somebody they can be good apart from Christ. Mm -hmm. That's legalism. Yeah, That's you, what the Pharisees believe. Yes, you can do it. That's right. You can do it. What we're saying is you can't do it. Uh-huh. The, the, the law buries us. It yeah. shows us how sinful we are. So the response is not, well, how can I do better? No, the response is, where do I need to go to find forgiveness, grace, and salvation? You need to run to Jesus. But you don't hear that message if if you're told you're okay. The only way that people are going to run to Jesus is if you say, no, you're not okay. So, And, and another reason I think this topic matters is, is it just because it substitutes God's standard. We, and when we say people are basically good, we substitute God's standard for goodness, his moral law in the Ten Commandments, his holiness, his righteousness, and we substitute our own standard. Yeah. Well, I don't do this that that other person does or that. I'm not a murderer. I'm not, I'm not, I don't do the crazy bad things. Um, but the reality is God's standard is, Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Yeah. And that's the standard none of us holds up to. Yeah, in order to be good, we have to create a new standard, right? Because we know when Jesus says that, when we see the Ten Commandments, we fall far short. And again, just to reiterate, when Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, what he's doing in that moment is he's saying, and you can't be. Right. That's, That's why you need to follow me. Yep. And where does he go to? The cross. Mm -hmm. Right. So when Jesus said that, it's not hyperbole. No, it's not hyperbole. No, he, he's yeah, saying he means it, it. And he means it. And he's saying, this is the standard. And like the the lyrics that you read at the very beginning, mm -hmm. um, all all that lyric is doing is creating in his their own standard. Yeah, Whoever wrote is. the song, I actually don't know, but it definitely sounds like a backwoods country song. But <laughs> <laughs> that is the correct genre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they all they've done is just created their own standard mm -hmm. that they oh, feel like yeah. they can live by. And easy peasy, boom! I can make up my own rules and, and abide by my own standard and make myself appear good and feel good about myself. I think there's a helpful summary. D.A. Carson gave this once, and I'll quote him. Uh, the reason why it is important to think clearly about original sin is manifold, but in particular, to think clearly about original sin helps you to think clearly about salvation and the Savior. The problem that is addressed by the Bible storyline is the problem of sin, and the solution that is presented in the coming of Christ and in His work must match the problem itself. If the fundamental problem of humankind is bad economics, then what we need is a superb economist. If the supreme need of humankind is good health, then what we need is superb medical facilities. But if the supreme problem is sin, both original and actual sin, then what we need is a salvation that addresses sin, not only the concrete acts of rebellion, but all of its effects, including alienation and suffering and sickness and war and hate, and finally death itself and hell. The notion of sin in Scripture is the notion of what is wrong with the universe and, therefore, constitutes what it is that God is sending His Son to address. That's so good. I mean, just anytime we think about why did God send His Son for, for, for an extreme condition is what He sent Him for. And we have Tim Keller, who is uh, often so clear and helpful on these issues. The gospel is good news, not good advice. 
Advice is what we should do. News is a report of what was done for us. I think we'll have to leave it there. Uh, Running out of time. Thanks again, Deer Creek, for joining us on Simply Disciples. Until we see you again, God bless. God bless.